8 to 10 p.m. The Viewpoint with Ashraf Gada. The Viewpoint with Ashraf Gada. And we will have a podcast up of uh, Stan Slap. We'll check it out around 9 o'clock tomorrow morning on the SFM website. You will certainly find it. Very, very interesting things indeed. And as I talk to you, I am looking down because I'm tweeting. And I'm tweeting about my mate, my chummy, my colleague. Uh, and we are going to talk. So I told my, my Uber driver today uh, that I'm going to chat uh, to uh, Peter Indoro. And he said, oh, you mean Tony? <laughs> you guys are related, aren't you? He's my cousin brother. I remember that, yeah. yeah. I remember that. So I, I had to remind him. I said, no, no, these guys yeah. are like and cousin people brothers. people mix us up all the time. Yeah, okay. And it was worse when he was married to Azania because they thought she was my wife as well. So it was just a never-ending well, story. you won't believe that's exactly the conversation that came up. He said, oh, you're speaking to the guy who was married to Azania. I said, no, no. The, that guy was more the sports guy. He was uh, rugby. He was 5FM and, and blah, blah, blah. And maybe Tony's yeah. listening in. But anyway, Peter and Dora's with us, right? We got you out at night, but but you worked it's at a night shocker. before. I, mean, I don't know how you managed it, mate, but here <laughs> well, I am, sat in your studio. Well, I I thought we should talk about the work you do. Now, you've yeah. worked mornings, you've worked evenings. I don't know when last you worked in the afternoons, but your current beat is what, three o'clock in the afternoon? Yes. Three to six? Three to six. We have a program called SA Today. And uh, the last hour actually is called uh, Your Story. And we did that purposefully because what we wanted to do specifically between five and six, is to focus um, on the local story. And it's the story of South Africa uh, as told by journalists across the country in the areas that they live. So, um, you know, we get a unique perspective that way. And I think that given the size of our operation, uh, only we can do it that way. Only us are able to to uh, tell the story that way. So I'm quite excited about that, and uh, I'm very excited about what we're trying to do as a public broadcaster, because in the end, actually, it's not about us. It's about uh, the people at home listening right now. Absolutely. Well, well if it matters to you, I am a, I'm a viewer. Yeah. I'm your viewer. I watch you. Uh, okay. I certainly, as I used to follow it at night, but I certainly follow the afternoon yeah. show. And I and I need to when I'm preparing for yeah. this evening show. I certainly watch you guys. Right. What, what's it like, firstly, from a time factor, working uh, mornings? Uh, I mean, you, you've done radio as well, yeah. but certainly yeah. even on, on television, you've worked mornings, which means incredibly yeah. early time yes. on morning live. Then you've worked evenings. Yeah. Then you've now worked. Uh, just off lunchtime. What what are the differences? It's an interesting switch for me because um, by the evening, uh, when I was working at night, Mm -hmm. a lot of the stories have played out. And so in the evening, we were generally now unpacking things. But during the day, you find yourself often in the middle of it. Of the, the story, uh, exactly, Absolutely. and so there's those first reactions often that we have to manage and deal with, and then the unpacking of the story as it's evolving. So we having the state capture inquiry, for example, and it finishes at a four o'clock. So during the course of that, you're busy sort of digesting what's being said and trying to make up your mind what does it mean. And then how do you tell the story further? People have been witnessing it. Mm, mm, So mm. they've made up their own mind. And often you just kind of need to find people to help say, okay, this is what was said. And in the context of everything, uh, this is is what it might mean. So it's an interesting one where you're in the story a lot of the times. 
and um, trying to find a way to move it forward uh, and get it ready for the people that are coming in at, at six o'clock as I used to. So it's been a different kind of so headspace for me. How, how have you needed to adjust that in terms of that? Um, so I'm I'm working and listening at the same time. So you're busy preparing for the show, but your, your TVs are on, your radios are on, and you're listening actually to the story that you're preparing for. So by the time you're actually on air, you've just finished preparing. There's never a state of, okay, we're ready, guys. We're going to be on air just now. Because that which you start with may not even be the lead by the time you go on air. Absolutely. So, so it, let, let's take pay an example. Attention. Okay, maybe today this happened earlier on. I, I was at a at, at, at a Leader Acts, the event yeah. at Santon, but in the midst of all of that, suddenly the issue of the recession officially yeah. comes yeah. in. Now, that happened yeah. in the morning, right? Yes, so, yes. And I know you work in the afternoon, but yeah. if you were working in the morning on that morning show, right. then whatever the lead at 9, 10 o'clock, yeah. suddenly at 11 o'clock, it, it, changes. Would, it would change completely. Yeah. So you look, you, you, you have a hunch. There's some stories you... you, you you almost preempt. So we knew Stats SA was going to come out with this figure. You kind of talk in the in the days leading up to it, economists, they yeah, they sort of you do a panel, nine of them will will vote mm. and they'll say no, nothing's gonna happen or XYZ. Um so you set up your guests uh for the show, but they don't know what the result is gonna be. And so they have to actually react as we are reacting to the news that we're getting. Um, so today, typically, uh, the announcement would have come through in the morning. And so the morning shows uh, would hear it. And then straight away, the reaction would be, OK, what does this mean? Oh, my goodness. Wow, wow. How big is this story? And you're still trying to unpack so, so that. So what did you do today? Then? So this afternoon, by the time we came in, it had played out. So we knew and there's, there'd been some commentary already. Uh, so we got an economist uh, to come in a little bit earlier, uh, later on. And he took us through the journey of, you know, it's been nine years, because mm. you have time now to start looking. It wasn't just today. This this number didn't just happen today. It happened over a period of time. So later in the day, you start to look at the bigger picture. Why has agriculture contributed to this? Should we have seen this coming? Why is uh, mining doing well, for example? Mm, mm, mm. Um, and you start to put it all together. And then, of course, it's the million-dollar question. What does it mean for Jabulani Sutole in uh, Kailicha? Absolutely. You know, do, do, should, he be, should he care? Should he be paying attention? What does it mean? And in a country, unfortunately, where we have uh, huge levels of unemployment, uh, a shrinking economy doesn't help. And that's why it matters to to uh, even the most uh, ordinary person in, so, in the so country. So it doesn't use the word ordinary. How, how intelligent do you have to be <laughs> to to be an anchor talking to economists about about things that's their daily beat? Um, you know what 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 I find is um, the key to being a good journalist is not so much knowing everything, mm -hmm. but rather having uh, a good level of curiosity. And so if you have a good level of curiosity, you'll probably end up asking the questions that the average person wants to know. Because uh, if you don't understand it, then a lot of people don't. Mm -hmm. And so being a good journalist for me is not about sounding clever or trying to ask clever questions. I keep on thinking about Jabulani Sutole in Kailicha sitting and he's listening to this and I keep saying, does it matter to him? And 
and, until I ask the question that, that resonates with him. So do you have to be clever? I think you have to be a good listener and have an ability to translate things into a language that uh, most people can relate to. So an economist is trained to speak about uh, recession and mm, mm, Gini coefficients mm. <laughs> and so on and so forth. Yeah. So you've got to find a way to say, well, w why does that matter to Jabalan? And how do I explain it to him? What um, analogies can I use uh, to explain it to him? And that's 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 a joy for me actually. When when you explain something and somebody says, "Aha, I get I it,", get it. Yeah. Uh, then 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 we've done our, well, our job. You are. All right, I tell you what, if you if you want to get to um, our guest, uh, you certainly can do that. Oh eight nine one one zero four two zero seven. Oh eight nine one one zero four two zero seven. Peter Indora with me till about nine nine thirty. In fact, then we'll talk about recession. By the way, uh, we won't ask him. We'll we'll get an economist to talk about that too. So if you want to engage with him, time for a couple of calls, and you can do that right away. Otherwise, hashtag SFM viewpoint. If you are tweeting, and then you tag me, Ashraf Garda, tag Peter Indora as well, and you can certainly tag SFM Radio and maybe ask questions or give a comment as well. If if you're up to that, so so what for you makes you uh, good at what you do? I mean, you, you said some of the obvious things, which are which are general, but l let's bring it down to you. Uh, do you know what I think? So it's like a job application. Like, All right. So why should so I give I, you a job? I have to honestly say I, I'm grateful for the life journey that I've been on, and uh, it it goes down to where I was born, where I grew up, the countries I've lived in. And also the careers that I've had before. And what that did for me, having this diversity of, of, of input, uh, life input, has given me an ability to see things from other people's perspective. So I grew up in Europe. So, for mm. example, I then have an... So uh, you're, you're, bo you're born in Zimbabwe, have I got I was, that right? I was actually born in Zambia. Okay. Um, but yeah, my Zimbabwean parents were in exile there. Right? Zimbabwean heritage. Right. And then we moved to the UK, and then we came back to Africa, finished school in Zimbabwe, studied through UNISA, funnily enough. I'm an accountant by training. Um, so all of that, you know, kind of, if you put it all together, has helped me to constantly be able to put on different lenses and uh, get a sense of, okay, um, I mean, I, you know, people... Uh, think they know me and 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 mm. either by the way that I look, sound, or do things. But I've done a lot of things, like um, on my grandfather's farm, milk a cow using my fingers. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so you get a real sense. And I've I've uh, sort of walked behind a, a cow with a old fashioned uh, a plow. We, we, we need some people you know? for those. We want to see that, yeah. So so when I hear the rural story, I understand it because I spent time in there and I I lived it. Mm. When I hear about the urban story, I understand it because I've lived it and I've gone through it. Um, I, you know, people will be surprised that I spent some time in a township, for example. And my grandfather, my grandfather lived in uh, in a township in Harare called uh, Highfields. Mm -hmm. And uh, you do the thing of of showering and and uh, washing in a bucket and so on and so forth. So I've experienced all of that. And then and then you live in Europe and and you experience the first world, and so you get that as well. Uh, so putting it all together, I think, has, has been a blessing. Uh, sometimes um, it's a challenge, but it's, it's been good. And why, why, why are you in South Africa? Then? Like, why are you working here? <laughs> uh, 
So, uh, what happened? Uh, 1990-something, 91, I think it was. I was young and I wanted an adventure. Uh, I was planning to go back to the UK because that's a country that I knew mm. and I'd grown up there. And, uh, you know, there was a recession on in the country. Uh, my dad was also uh, fairly political. He worked in the Zimbabwean government for a long, long time. And he knew what was going on in South Africa at that time. So 91 was a crazy time. But change, uh, yeah. yeah, and he said to me, and so my, 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 my mother's side of the family, uh, my grandmother is from KwaZulu-Natal. So there's a sort of connection here. So he says, why don't you go to South Africa for a couple of years? Uh, interesting times changes, down there. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but I was young. I, I knew nothing, really. <laughs> you know, I thought that uh, <laughs> Joburg was a little bit bigger than Harare. So I came on a, on a recce. And um, I couldn't believe that, uh, you know, Johannesburg was in Africa. I mean, the people, you've got to travel the continent to understand just how much of an anomaly um, South Africa is. Uh, the, the, the very sort of developed part of the country yeah, is yeah, compared yeah. to the rest of the continent. So I thought, OK, let me do this adventure for a couple of years and then, and then I'll go to England. And then eventually I actually wanted to end up in Canada. That was the original plan. And then, you know, just one thing led to another. And before I knew what was happening, I was voting for Mandela and uh, he was giving his, <laughs> his speech in 94 and, and, and I just stayed. <laughs> and, and we are richer for just that. Let's get, let's get some calls now. Sakile from Kezidan, go ahead, hello. Hello, hello, hello. Hey, you Peter Dor, you know, I enjoyed the way they, they covered the <laughs> I, I thought someone is going to bring that up, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was so nice. And Peter felt at home, you know. She was so <laughs> happy there. <laughs> so one time you at a, a polling station when Nagagwa voted. Yes. I, you could switch and speak shorter. Yes. And it was brilliant. You know? All of you guys with Chris Elda and so yeah. So it was, yeah. Yeah, it was it was a great story to tell, to be honest with you. And I and I think it was interesting for me uh, to mm. go home as a journalist and now to tell the story uh, with these eyes. Absolutely, but you also know. you didn't just do it for your afternoon yeah, show. Yeah, so you're yeah. a reporter now, yes. and and I watched it. Of course, yes. you were on until midnight and whatever other times. Yeah. So what was that like? It was it was a thing. Um, and and I think part of it was it, I, I was telling not just the story of Zimbabwe, I was telling my own story as well, because I was 15 in, in 1980 when Zimbabwe became independent. And we were cheering this new era that was coming through and, and Robert Mugabe had come back from mm. Mozambique and... Here was this leader that had brought uh, liberation, and I remember everything. I remember the hope. I remember the excitement. I remember the 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 hope for the future. And so, you know, watching things go the other way over a period of time has been heartbreaking. And also what I realized was um, that most of the people alive today are young, and they don't have the memories I have. They probably only know uh, the things as they've deteriorated. The things were going yeah, wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two thousand, maybe. Yeah. And so it's it was heartbreaking 
to tell some of the story because I know where Zimbabwe was and what its potential is, uh, given the people that um, you know uh, can contribute. And whether did you, did you get emotionally connected or involved in that story? You think about that. We are chatting, <laughs> ironically, to someone who normally asks questions. I'm asking him questions, and so are you, of course. Peter and Dora will be with us for the next uh, what uh, ten minutes or so, and I'll go back to talking about the beat that he does in the afternoon too. Tommy, we'll get to you in a moment. Northwest Provincial Legislature's Portfolio Committee on Health and Social Development and Portfolio Committee on Public Works, Roads, Transport and Community Safety will conduct public hearings on the National Health Laboratory Amendment Bill and National Land Transport Amendment Bill on the 5th September 2018 at Mahikeng Embassy Hall, Tsing Community Hall Extension 5 in Ventersdorp and Ipilegeng Community Hall in Swaizerenike Labani Community Hall in Rustenburg. All hearings are scheduled to start at 9. When a top chef contracts a deadly disease that can only be caused by having an appetite for human flesh, South Africa's elite crime-fighting unit, The Ravens, must find the culprits of this deadly menu. Secrets and lies, betrayal and murder, this team has a taste for bringing down the bad guys. It's just another day on the job for Marlon van Weyck and Siki Mocha and their team, The Ravens. Catch the docket only on SABC3 at 9:30 p.m. on Wednesday, September the 5th. Eight to ten p.m. The viewpoint with Ashraf Garda. Well, he's not quite in the spotlight, but he certainly is with me, Peter <laughs> and Dora, and having great fun talking to him. Tommy, we'll get to you in just a minute. So, on the Zimbabwe story, yeah, the fact that you you have the Zimbabwean heritage and you're yeah. not living there and you go back. To what degree then in, in being the reporter, because you were a reporter, right? Yeah. Um, did you get emotionally involved in the story? I got emotionally involved in the queues and uh, people standing and waiting to vote. And I, I think more than any other election before, there was a great sense of, I believe this is going to change my life. And so I'm... I got emotionally involved because I understand how politics works and how sometimes the disappointment follows, uh, especially if things don't change and change quickly enough. And there's huge problems that need to be fixed. So, you know, when you when you see someone who's who who really believes and hopes that his misery is going to end, that her pain is mm. going to be solved, that he's going to get a job, that his kids is going to be able to go to school and there was a part of me that knew that there's going to be a lot of disappointment for a lot of people because the things that need to be fixed are huge and it's going to take time even with the best of will okay as it turned out of course i mean there was no change of leadership and angagua very much in power, but also still very much, you know, in terms of Mugabe's running yeah. men historically, yeah. right? Uh, what are your thoughts about the future now? <sighs> so, so far, I have to take the politicians on their word, and he said all the right things. So, what's left now is just to see that the action follows the words. Um, Yes, it was disappointing August 1 to see six people get killed by the army and this reminiscence of the old. Um, But I do think and I want to believe that the memo hadn't got down to the lower levels from upstairs and that 
we're not going to see that kind of thing again going forward. Because I think after each incident, again, the president kept on saying the right things and kind of guiding people in the right direction. Yeah, people are going to make up their own minds about whether the election was stolen, whether it was free and fair and all those kinds of things. But, you know, the country is where it's at now. And we have to give him the benefit of the doubt. And um, let's see if his actions and follow how, his words. The question is, how long do you do just yeah, that? Let's get, let's yeah. get to, I'll take two more quick calls. Uh, Tommy from Welcome Hi, Tommy. Tommy, yes. yes, you're on the air. Go ahead. Um, every time I see or hear you, one will say, you talk as if you are tired. <laughs> but now, further than that, one would say, <laughs> the way you talk means that you are a super negotiator. For example, every time you come forward, I mean, you, some of your colleagues would say, this guy is one of the I mean, uh, highest paid guys. And then the second question would be, having this I mean, uh, I mean, inquiry, Commission and all of that, and then they were day in day out talking about your ANN seven breakfast shows. What is your thinking? Do you think you you may go there and answer some few questions or volunteer? Okay. Thank you. There you are, Tommy the anchor. Thank you. Very right. much. So so this question comes up a lot. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, it's, it's, people engage with me on Twitter on this. And, and I haven't really addressed it. But so here's, and I want people to understand and be very clear about what my role and what I did was. So I work for the SABC. I have always worked for the SABC. And when I came to the SABC, I was working on Morning Live mm-hmm. until the, um, uh, uh, the 24 hour news channel kicked off again. One of the assignments that I was given was to present a program in the morning, during Morning Live, called the New Age Business Briefings. So, who paid me? SABC. Who deployed me? SABC. Who do I report to? It was the SABC. We were never privy to the negotiations that happened behind the scenes in terms of what the uh program arrangements were mm. as far as we knew we were just doing a program uh in collaboration with the new age and also to remember that when it started the new age didn't have a television channel they had a newspaper and it's, it wasn't unusual for a newspaper to partner with That's a television true, channel to do programs, events, and so on, and it carries on. So that is the understanding that I had when we got in. And um, I just did my job. You know, I literally just went in there, a guest sat in front of me, whether it was the president, whoever it was, and I, I, I did my job. Did you ever feel, well, did you feel that, goodness, things are going wrong here? Look, I think towards the end and quite far down the line because originally we weren't meant to do as as many as we did in the end you know my understanding at the beginning is i think we were going to do six a year i didn't i didn't so think one, it was a, two months, yeah you know it wasn't meant to be as prolific as it as it turned out in the end and as a, as an as a journalist we were certainly never part of the money trail you know um it was like another one of those uh, outside broadcasts that I did with Morning Live, whether it was uh, on tourism, whether it was X, Y, Z. But I think it became clear after a time 
you know, as things started to 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 sort of come out, that maybe this arrangement wasn't as kosher as we thought. That maybe the relationships uh, that were playing out weren't as uh, 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 straightforward as we thought. Uh, but again, you know, I I worked for the SABC, and and all I could do is do the job that it was was assigned to me. Well, are, you, are you happy it's done now? Uh, so there's two two sides to this for me, and and I want to separate them. So the program itself served a value because this was a an opportunity for us to engage with government, engage with ministers, engage with with um, uh, the people that serve us, and this was an opportunity for people to um, tweet, put their questions through, and, they, and, they certainly and get them answered. Yeah. So. So I don't want to just say because of the politics that was behind it that it was an all bad project. I think that if we separate the program and what it did away from the uh, politics and the drama behind the scenes, then I have to say I was happy to have been part of being able to uh, get these people to talk to the public and uh, face questions from the public. And disappointed, obviously, that in the end, things were not as they should have been behind the scenes. I want to ask about the public broadcaster before we wrap up, but let's yeah. just take one last call. Uh, Tia Setso on the line from Joburg. Welcome to the show. Hi. Hi, Ashraf. Thanks for calling And, and hi, Peter. And Peter's all <laughs> smiles like, okay, I'll, I'll just take a back seat on this one. <laughs> Go ahead. No, I, mean, I just phoned in to, to really let Peter know that he's doing a great job as a journalist, I think what a lot of people don't realize about him is just how agile he is. And I think that's contributed to him having longevity in the in the industry. Uh, very free of airs and graces, curious, always willing to learn, and just an all-round pleasant human being. So you're doing a great job, and uh, may you continue to soar. Well, there you are. Lovely. <laughs> well you. well Thank said. Thank you very nice, much indeed. Nice way to put it. So let's just give me, give me your thoughts on... Yeah. Public broadcasting. I mean, the SABC. It's well documented. Uh, so, so government effectively yeah. standing up as a guarantee or guarantor once again to say the SABC needs to borrow money, which they do. Yeah. That they will they will stand guarantor to to allow that to happen. What do you think of the state of the public broadcaster and the need to work in this space? All right. So, look, um, we've been through a journey. We've been through a lot. We've experienced a lot of things over time. Some of it good. Some of it bad. Some of it really terrible. And I think what I'd like to believe um, is that we've turned a corner now. But it's going to take a bit of time to unlearn some of the things that became a norm over time. Um, and I and I want people not to compare us with private media. But I do want them to expect more from us as a public broadcaster. And what should they expect? What, so, what is the more? So the more is that we are not here at our pleasure. We're here at the pleasure of the listeners and to the viewers and the people that are logging in online. Our job is to serve. We're a public broadcaster. It's not about us. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about at the end of each day, will our citizens go to bed saying that we are better off as a result of having consumed SABC's programming and, and uh, content? If we're not doing that, then you have every right to tell us. 
you don't have to put up with things. Those days are gone. For as long as you pay your TV license, for as long as you pay tax, we belong to you. And you know how to reach us. You can tweet, you can phone, you can send a message, email, whatever it is. And if we're not doing what you expect us to do, tell us. Because we don't have the monopoly on the truth. Well, we can ask you to tweet about the <laughs> NN7 story, as you've said on the air. As any good media person would do, just tweet that for the record so we can amplify that and get people to understand fully what your <clears> thoughts are. Just let's go back to where it started. We're yeah. going to wrap up now. So your show, 3 to 6, it's called? 3 to 6. It's called SA Today. And specifically what our show strives to do is to focus on the South African story. We are... A, a broadcaster that goes across the continent. We're not going to leave out Africa. We're not going to leave out the rest of the world. But more than the other shows, our mandate is to make sure that the South African story is told. So three to six in the afternoon. And also people mustn't forget that, um, and this is what's really important for me, is that it's, it's, I wait for DTTV to come through because every single South African no matter where they are, should have access to our 24-hour news channel. And I'm hoping that that happens soon because it, it's sad that only people have access to DSTV yeah, have a, access a to 24-hour news channel. Exclusive audience but I'm grateful at least that we have um, our, our outputs playing out on YouTube and, and on online because SABC Online, I think, is the best digital media news platform in the entire world. I'm really proud of them and they're doing great things. So three to six, that's a South African story. And then five to six in particular, we go around the country, we've got journalists everywhere and their job is to go and tell the local story, your story. And then we call that on purpose. Um, and, and again, we look to you wherever you are across the country there are stories that we don't know that should be brought to our attention. There are stories that should be told that we need you to help us and we to, certainly know to tell those stories. Milk the cows in, in Zimbabwe <laughs> and, and everything else. If you want my story, let me know. I'll come and join you and tell you my South African story. Great chatting to you. Feel free to tweet many things that you've said and things you haven't yet quite said. I'll certainly pass it on. Hashtag SFM Viewpoint, okay? Right, Your time's up. Do you know what? My life is complete now. <laughs> I have been interviewed by Ashraf Garda <laughs> on national radio. I mean, oh what more can a guy ask for? And he's passed the audition. <laughs> so you've got a job tomorrow, 3 o'clock. If you can start, please, on SABC Channel 404. If you can't get it live there, you can certainly get it on uh, online, provided you get access to Wi-Fi, which is another whole debate that I had with the guys from He Says We're Today, um, saying that uh, Wi-Fi must be a human right. And I think that's another absolutely. debate that we actually have to have. Absolutely. Peter, great chatting Thanks, with you as always. Brother. Thank you very take much. Care. We'll take some pictures. We need to do that. We'll talk about the economy in a moment.